And yes, good morning to you once again. If you are just joining us, this is gospelbellsradio.com, your community Christian internet talk radio with a mission to engage the contemporary culture with the mind of Christ. It's September the 11th, 2023. The program is On the Lord's Side, Christian Perspectives on News and Current Events. My name is Olufemi Oguntok. You can follow me on Twitter at Olufemi OG. You can follow Gospel Bells Radio on Twitter at Gospel Bells Radio. Let's begin today talking about that devastating devastating earthquake earthquake in morocco and this is where we need to really pause and empathize indeed even sympathize with the people of morocco according to some estimates more than 2000 persons have now been killed have not been killed as a result of that of that of that earthquake and it was not a mean one it was a horrible horrible earthquake i'm taking this report from Hindustan times it says morocco earthquake death toll extent of damage rescue effort what we know so far this was published this morning september 11 2023 and it says at least Listen to this. 2,122 people were killed and 2,421 others injured after the strongest earthquake in a century hit Morocco on Friday. As per the United United Nations, at least 300,000 people in the North African country have been affected by the quake. So you have, you know, these mind-boggling statistics. You have what can only be described as devastating devastating imagine the loss of lives 2122 people confirmed killed and you know that in matters like this it is always impossible as uh, soon after a disaster for those in charge of giving out these statistics to be to be to be accurate and more often than not you find that the numbers they push out those numbers eventually prove to have understated understated the casualty in fact so on the one hand 2,122 people killed on the other hand 2,421 injured and then we also have this about about 300,000 people who have not been displaced or affected by the earthquake according to the United Nations we also read from this report that rescue operations are underway after buildings were reduced to rubble as the powerful quake hit the country. And I'm looking at a picture from Morocco and I'm saying to myself, wow. I cannot say that we should be in awe of natural disasters, but really, natural, natural disasters must necessarily humble us as human, as human beings. Natural disasters humble us as humanity because, you see, you find a, a, a place, a city built by the efforts of men over centuries over years treasures invested into building cities into building places and then in in an instant do you know how long the uh, uh, how long an earthquake lasts sometimes just uh, just for seconds sometimes just seconds sometimes it's just a fraction of a second and what happens everything comes tumbling down everything comes tumbling down uh, if you have seen the before and after pictures of cities regarding an earthquake, you will indeed, you will indeed marvel. You will indeed marvel. And this is something that should really humble us. 
really, really, really humble us. Again, as I, as I mentioned earlier on, we need to sympathize and empathize uh, with the people of Morocco. We, we have read that rescue operations are on that way, and we should bear in mind those who are in the front line of these rescue operations as well. Say a prayer for them. If you are, if you truly believe in the power of prayer, say a prayer for them. Say a prayer for those who are hurting, who are hurting right now. And say a prayer for the government of Morocco that is tasked with, uh, that is directly tasked, primarily tasked with this effort. Say prayers to donors all over the world who right now we expect you'll be sending uh, donations to the Red Cross and to the other humanitarian organizations who are involved in the effort there in Morocco. I'm sure you know the Morocco. Morocco is a country in northwestern Africa. It has connections to the Atlantic and the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, Morocco has always been an ancient, an ancient kingdom. It is said that it has a total area of about 710,850 uh, kilometers in terms of its uh, total area. And well, th- this will not be the first. This will not be the first earthquake in Morocco. I, I, I searched, uh, I googled up an, artic- uh, an article on serious earthquakes that have hit Morocco before now. And this is not to make light of this present one. Indeed, as it has been said that in this century, this earthquake appears to be the worst. And I mean, look at the statistics that we have, that we have. Uh, that we have that we have read out but you know what we have read about 2142 people killed by the earthquake in morocco last week but according to this report from new york times it says the deadliest quake in morocco's recent history was a 5.8 magnitude trembler that killed about 12,000 people in 1960 so some argue that when well, that uh, 1960 earthquake killed about 12,000 people, uh, but was not as physically destructive as the present one. But you see, in human terms, in human terms, it matters not whether 12,000 people were killed or whether 2,142 people were killed. What matters is that a person was killed because that one person, uh, I always make this point, that one person who was killed uh, must have been someone's son or daughter, someone's parents, someone's friend, someone's husband, someone's uh, someone's wife, you know, someone's benefactor, someone's employer, maybe someone's employee. So much so that uh, we can, so much so that in fact we should not we should not measure the severity of disasters in terms of how many people were killed. It is a relevant fact. Yes, it's a relevant fact to think of how many people were killed. But whatever disaster kills anyone is is disastrous. If a disaster kills anyone, it is devastating. If it kills only one person, it is indeed uh, devastating. There is also this report here about another 6.5 magnitude earthquake that struck northern Morocco in February 2004, killing about 630 people injuring hundreds and leaving about 15,000 homeless. That was in 2004. So we've spoken about that one from 1960. This one from this recent, the the one I just mentioned from uh, 2004. And then we have this one now that uh, the whole world is contending with, which has been put at about... Exactly, about the 7.8 magnitude. That was a 7.8 magnitude earthquake in March 1969. It killed about a dozen people. Another one in exactly 1969. Another one in 2016. 
that, that struck both Morocco and Spain. Maybe you remember that and killed only one person. But now we are contending with an earthquake that has killed and has killed uh, more than 2,000 persons, injured more than 2,000 persons, and has displaced more than 300,000 people. You can imagine the scale of operations going on now to rescue those who may still be uh, those who may still be trapped under the rubbles of the earthquake. If there is anyone like that, I do pray that the Lord Himself will, uh, will miraculously, will miraculously save such a one. And that should be our prayer that it will please the Lord to miraculously save such people. If there is still any any such person, I also see, I also see this report uh, from BBC BBC.com. It it tells of this it says CCTV footage shows man narrowly avoiding building collapse from that earthquake. And he said, I, I watched that video and I said to myself, God is just so wonderful, so much so that you find that even in the midst of an earthquake, miracles do happen. Miracles do happen. I know there are some people out there who will say, well, what miracle, what miracle happened if uh, 2,000 persons were killed, but now you see a clip of a single man, an individual who was saved uh, from death narrowly, and you say that was a miracle. It indeed was a miracle because, you see, the Lord, the Bible teaches us that the Lord has planned, plans, for the for the for the life of each of us, for your life and for mine, the Lord has a plan. And as Job confessed, as Job admitted in chapter forty-two, no purpose of his can be thwarted. No purpose of his can ever be thwarted. And so, in, in this video, you see that man narrowly escaping a building collapse during Morocco's deadly earthquake. See. Uh, as Christians, and I want us to engage with this, there, there are deep questions about natural disasters that, that Christians have always struggled with, uh, Christian scholars have always struggled with. For, for example, the question of, well, is it the Lord himself who brings about natural disasters? You ask questions like that. Those are questions that we agitate the, the critical mind. You engage with that. So, yes, the Lord is sovereign. Is it the one who brings about uh, natural disasters as well? Or are natural disasters outside the control of God? So much so that where we are just at the mercy of natural disasters. Because it is easy for us to uh, sit here in the studio, uh, for you to be where you are. Maybe the comfort of your car, the comfort of your room or anywhere. And to say to yourself that, and to engage with things like this, you know, from a detached point of view, not that you are callous in any way, not that you are not, uh, you, you, you do not uh, feel for those who are in distress, but I mean, it has not touched you. Glory to God. Uh, you, have, you have not received news of anybody who has been uh, a victim of that earthquake. You have not lost your property. Uh, your city has not been turned upside down. I'm not saying you are callous, but I'm just saying that, I mean, we have to admit it, in, in terms of disasters, even the most uh, sympathetic of us, the most empathetic of us, uh, cannot be compared with those who are the direct victims, right? So, uh, so for those who are the direct victims of this earthquake, these questions will agitate their minds. I think of a Christian, a Christian caught up in that, uh, in that earthquake, not dead, of course. If that, if that person has been killed, maybe the questions will not arise anyway. Uh, that, that's some dark humor, but uh, pardon me. But for those who have not been killed, but whose loved ones have been affected, whose loved ones have been killed, or whose uh, life work 
in terms of assets and buildings have been reduced to rubbles. These questions will agitate their minds, as they should agitate the minds of uh, critical, uh, critically thinking Christians, and we are called to be uh, critical, uh, critical thinkers. The question will be, well, who brings these things about? Who controls these things? Or are they just, are they things outside the control of God, so much so that we are the mercy of natural disasters, we are, the, we are the mercy of certain things. You say, is it the case that God indeed is God? Yes, uh, but it's not in control of natural disasters that he has let go of control of natural disasters. Could that be the case? Well, Amos 4, 7, our Lord said, I also withheld the rain from you when there were yet three months in the harvest. I would, said, I, I would send rain on one city and send no rain on another city, one field without rain, and the field on which it did not rain would wither. That's what the Lord said in Amos 4, 7. And what do you take away from a, a, a verse like that? That's a verse saying basically that I, the Lord, am the one who controls all things. I can decide there will be rain in this city and no rain in that city. I can decide there will be rain on this field and no rain on that field. That's the most first seven. Now, Isaiah 45, 7. Uh, our Lord said, I, the Lord God, of, I form light and, and create darkness. I form light and I create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I'm the Lord who does all these things. Do you hear that? I form light and I create darkness. I make well-being and I create calamity. I'm the Lord who does all these things. That's Isaiah 45, 7. Jeremiah 14, 12. Though they fast, I will not hear their cry. And though they offer burnt offering and grain offering, I will not accept them, but I will consume them by the sword, by famine and by pestilence. What's the Lord saying there? He says, as a form of punishment, I will consume them by the sword, by famine, and by so so much so that even wars, when wars break out, uh, the Lord is claiming, and He has every right to do so, that He ordains them, brings them about. Ezekiel fourteen thirteen, son of man, when a land sins against me by acting faithlessly, and I stretch out my hand against it, I break its supply of bread, and I send famine upon it, and I cut off from it man and beast. Even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they would deliver but their own lives by their righteousness, declares the Lord. That's the Lord, if you hear that, saying that sometimes when a land sins, he, the Lord, would bring famine, will send famine to that land, will cut it off from man and beast. And of course, Revelation 16, 8 to 9, the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun and it was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were scorched by the, by the fierce heat and they cursed the name of God who had, who had power over these plagues. They did not repent and give him glory. That's Revelation 16, confirming that God has power over famine and all the plagues that we can think of, of the, that we can think of in this world. Why am I bringing this up? Because these are relevant questions to the Christian mind, and those of us who are on the Lord's side must be people who can answer these questions. The question is: Is it the Lord who brings about earthquake as well 
are earthquakes within the control of God. They are within the control of God. Otherwise, he would not be God. And indeed, he himself, look at all the portions we have cited, has, has said that much, and it is true. But then the next question is, if God has in his power to control earthquakes, to withhold uh, earthquake, earthquakes hitting a place, or to send earthquakes, then why does he send it? Why does the Lord do that? That's the question. The next logical question uh, for the Christian mind. Is he not a good God? Is he not a good God? Is he the God that we should dread so much so that like all those wicked, uh, wicked, even gods, we should live in dread of him because, you know, he can create and destroy? Well, uh, well, I suppose the wise person must live in dread of God. But is he a wicked God? Does he do wickedly when he sends earthquakes to Morocco, for example, when he says, okay, I will send earthquake to Morocco, but then I will not send earthquake to Nigeria. Has he done wickedly with people of Morocco? When that earthquake has killed more than 2,000 persons in Morocco, has he done wickedly? Who has the answer to that? I have the answer, and I do hope you have the answer as well. Because the Lord God Almighty, all the saints testify, all the patriarchs testify, and the Holy Spirit does testify that there is no unrighteousness in him. There's no righteousness in him. But somebody will say to me, please make it make sense to me. Make it make sense to me. You say there's no unrighteousness in him, that his judgments are true and righteous altogether. Meaning that whatever he does, he does in righteousness. It's just the right thing to do at that right time. Make it make sense to me. Make it make sense to me that the earthquake has killed 2,000 people in Morocco and that you are still saying there is no righteousness in God. And then that is the point where you call to mind what our Lord said, for my ways are not your ways. My thoughts, they are not your thoughts. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, anyone who would be bogged by questions like that is the person who will not see the glory of God. It is for us to receive by faith, by faith that the Lord has control of all these things, that the Lord is good, that he's a righteous judge, that all his judgments, all the things he, he does are true and righteous altogether, but that we can never comprehend him and understand him. If we were able to fully comprehend and understand the Lord, then what would we be? We would no longer be humans, we would be gods. We are not gods. And, and humility demands of us as created beings to admit that we do not have all the answers that his thoughts are not our thoughts his ways are not our ways that as high as the heavens are above the heart so are his ways higher than our ways and his thoughts than our thought we do not understand him but we are called as created beings to submit to his judgment to submit to his judgment and to know that he's a good God and whatever he does, he does in righteousness, he does in love, he does according to his perfect plan. So do not ever be among those in the circular culture who would say, look, don't worship God. What God are you to worship? Even some things are outside his control. Is there one thing outside the control of God? Earthquakes are not outside his control. We have read all those, all, all, all those passages. Earthquakes are not, are not outside of his control. And then they say, even if earthquakes are not outside his control, 
Why would you serve such a, such a callous God who brings out quakes? Well, he created all things. He can create and destroy. That is, in fact, the foundation of the Christian faith. That it is your duty, your, your common sense duty, in fact, to worship him who can create and who can destroy. This is not to make light of the disaster going on in Morocco. This is not saying that the disaster befell them because of their sins. No, again, his thoughts are not our thoughts. We do not know, but he has a plan. But we do not know why he brought it about. And the next question we'll be asking as people on the Lord's side is, what can we do? What can we do in matters like this? The first thing for us to remember, really, is that in times like this, what would Jesus say to you? What would Jesus say to the people of Morocco? No, rather, what would, people say, what would Jesus say to those of us who are far removed from the disaster? What would he say to us? Of course, uh, those Those who were caught up in the in the disaster, they are far removed from it. Remember that 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 poem. The casual the casualties are not only those who are there; they are far removed from it. They are, they are far removed from it. Uh, but those who are not directly affected, but who instead are contending with all these questions, have raised. If you were to go to Jesus Christ, if Jesus Christ was still working on the earth today, and you were to go to him and, and then ask all these questions, say, look, did you hear about the earthquake in, the, in Morocco on Friday? said, yes, do you, do you know that 2,000 people died? Do you know that 2,000 people have been injured? Do you know that about 300,000 people have been displaced? But is your father not in control of all these things? And there's some things that are outside his control. He said, my father controls all things. If he controls all things, then why? Did you not say that he's a good God? Why would he kill those people? What did they do? Well, I think what God, what Jesus would answer would be the answer from Luke 13, 1. Right? From Luke 13, 1. That would be the answer. And uh, for those who are regular listeners to, to on the Lord's side, you know that I always cite uh, that passage of the scriptures. I, it was at that time that well, there, there was just one passing reference in Luke chapter 1 to one of the actions of Pilate as the, as the governor of Rome, uh, as the governor of, of Jerusalem at that time. I mean, I mean the, the consul on behalf of, on behalf of Caesar uh, over the whole of Jewish territory at that time. And what happened? It happened, the, the report from Luke 13.1 was that some told Jesus Christ about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices, meaning that they were they were in the temple, right, right, in Galilee, and Pilate had sent soldiers there. We do not know exactly for what reason, maybe for non-payment of tax, or maybe just uh, to displace wicked power. He had sent some some soldiers there, and they had killed and they had killed people who were worshiping in the temple. And some people went to Jesus Christ and said to him, "This is what Pilate has done." What are you going to do about it? Jesus answered, Luke 13, 2. Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffer this way? Luke 13, 3. I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. All the 18, now verse 4, all the 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them. That was a natural, that was a disaster as well. All those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? Verse 5, I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. What is the point I'm making from this? That for, for a Christian, for a pilgrim, 
for those on the Lord's side, the very first engagement with news of disaster should be that of examining oneself and asking if this disaster had taken place and had been caught up in it, as I could have been caught up because I'm just a sheep in his pasture, although he lost me, but hey, I have no control about his, his, his ultimate plan. If I had been caught up in a disaster like this, would I have perished spiritually? And that's the question that Jesus raised. And, and it's, it boggles the minds of the secular, the unregenerated. But for those who have been taught by the Holy Spirit, it does not boggle the mind. It, it shows our Lord as the one who goes to the very root of matters. It, it goes down to the very root of matters. So all these questions we have raised, they are relevant questions. But the most important question, the most relevant question for anyone sitting in an armchair, on his bed, in his car, in the office, wherever, in his studio, and ask, and looking at what's happening in, in Morocco and raising questions and pointing fingers at God, the most relevant question is for that person to know uh, that he or she is not better than those who have been caught up in it. And what is more important that he or she should begin to think of the question, if I had been caught up in this, if I had been caught up in this, would I have perished spiritually? as well as well as we as we say all this again let us continue to pray for the people in morocco if you are in a position to send money to any of the uh, reputable organizations at work there please do uh, send money no matter how small if you're in a position to do please do pray i uh, pray for them pray for those who are hurting right pray for the government there uh, that the, the, the grace of god will help them uh, to respond appropriately we should reflect and and repent as we have mentioned today we should trust in god's sovereignty that he rules and you see once you know that god rules and reigns over all you just relax because some things you cannot help well if you cannot help it then why are you bothering your head about it you just submit it to uh, to the end of god and of course share the gospel if you find any opportunity to talk about these natural disasters yes discuss the fact of it discuss the scale of it but also discuss the, even the historical fact as we have done today but always try to channel the discussion to the sharing of the gospel Okay, next, we want to engage with this story, the story of the anniversary of that attack on the United States on September 11, 2001. Where were you when you first learned of the attacks on the United States on September 11, 2001? One of those attacks that changed the world. I remember exactly where I was when I learned of it. Uh, I was... I was in the law school at that time, and I recall that on my way, I had bought a copy of the Punch newspaper, but I did not even open it. Of course, in those days, we did not have uh, internet as, as ubiquitous as it has become in Nigeria now. And I recall that I, I walked into the auditorium waiting for the lecture to start. I sat down, and then I opened the newspaper, and I saw it. The United States attacked. And of course, the news had been spreading around the auditorium and everybody was, was in awe 
who would dare attack the United States? I mean, people said at that time, this is Third World War. When people said at that time, uh, this is a game changer. Some, some would say right now that looking back, maybe uh, it was blown out of proportion. After all, some would say no World War followed from that. But that was a, that was a war in, in Iran. And indeed, those attacks fundamentally changed the world in numerous ways. It was then that the global war on terrorism became a thing, became a thing. And of course, as you know, under the guise, and I, I should not use the word guise, but that would, su- su- that, that would suggest uh, that one, uh, one is making light, maybe, making light of the global war on terrorism. But uh, in pursuit of that war, in prosecution of that war on terrorism, so many of our freedoms as citizens have been have been compromised. So many of our freedoms have been curtailed and limited. The Patriot Act was passed in the United States. That Patriot Act strengthened the United States intelligence services to gather information uh, that otherwise would have been regarded as private. As private, there was war in Afghanistan and, and Iraq, and the wars, of course, cost lives, lives of, of of soldiers from the United States and from other parts, other parts of the world. Of course, there, there were economic consequences, and now it has become a war that we cannot get out out of the global war on terrorism. And you know how terrorism has spread since then to so many parts of the world, including to Nigeria with Boko Haram and all that. Because what happened September 11, two thousand and one. And today's the anniversary of that attack. What happened was that uh, those who masterminded those attacks, they staged something so compelling. It was a compelling theater that they would uh, they would seize aircrafts, hijack aircrafts, and drive them into uh, into the into the Pentagon, into the uh, the World Trade Center, just to just to to. to uh, to get attention, to command attention, and they did command attention, killed so many people. It was a compelling theater, and that continues to inspire many evil minded terrorists all over the world. We must thank God that the world did not descend into war, into full blown war at that time, but we must also bear in mind that the wars were fought, lives were lost, lives are still being lost to terrorism. And let us pray that indeed uh, the government of the world will become the captives of the will of, of, of the Lord and we do the right thing and that uh, both in Nigeria and in any place where we are struggling and fighting terrorism, the Lord will give victory to his people, that the Lord will give victory to us, the Lord will give victory to his people. There are many people who are feeding fat on this war. We mentioned the, we mentioned a, a case, you know, last week, the case of that military general from Nigeria who, after his death, uh, his family members are now being caught up in, uh, in a dispute about his assets, assets that obviously may not be uh, justified. Uh, from his earnings, but he was said to have been involved in the purchase of these arms at that time. So we remember people like that and remember all the dimensions to this. I think this is a time also to remember the direct victims of the September 11, 2001 attacks. This is also another time to remember the testimonies of those who would have been in one of those uh, high-rise buildings, but who just by some uh, by some by some stroke of not luck but the hand of God uh, did not find themselves in that building and escaped death on that day. And the verse must be must be recalled so that we can celebrate the glory of God. The Lord will restore us. 
And out of the ashes of that of, of those attacks on September 11, 2001, we see how the Lord has brought hope again, how the Lord has comforted his people, how the Lord has restored even the fortunes of, of the city of New York in terms of uh, in terms of the asset lost and the and the value of the property lost. Again, it reminds us that the Lord is sovereign, is sovereign, he works all things according to his will. I wanted, I just wanted to bring that up because it's an important point uh, for us to bring up. I always think that anniversaries must be uh, must be celebrated because with the benefit of hindsight, that perfect 2020 uh, site called hindsight, with the, with the benefit of that, you can look back and say, and really see the hand of God at work, right? And then see how God, even out of disasters, bring, how he brings out good, good, for his people and he works his perfect purpose out as time as years succeeds to years. Next, I want to talk about this story. This is the story of a community in a part of Lagos. And let me see if I can play this video. I want to play the story of this community in Lagos. This, somebody, but it's in Yoruba, so please, if you don't understand, you're going to pardon us, but I'm going to try to explain it, even if you can't understand it. This is the story of a community in Lagos where, according to this, to this video I saw on Instagram, you always have uh, sacrifices placed there. And I'm looking at the video and I see a lot, I, I see many, many plates put there on the side of the road, ostensibly as sacrifice to some gods. If you're too lady to web of fresh, you won't say bring you a la ruin. Bolos, you might be a bob, but all the book and let us to lay belly. As you swear to go, the Aruba won't go no go, and yea, 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 we do, and yea, the queen particular, and she rigged. Kill late, I less as a guy look to buy, and you do me. Tori pay your bani, you know, go name, Gabo, let it be a bob, a la ruin. If you're too lady to web of fresh, you won't say bring you a la ruin. Bolos, you might be a bob, but all the book and let us to lay belly. As you swear to go, the Aruba won't go no go. Okay, so I, will, I mean, we apologize for, for, for the foul language in that, uh, in that clip, but, but, but I hope you, you got the point. The point the lady was making uh, was that, well, see, this is, this, is, this is a city in Lagos, and then you have many plates of sacrifices left, left there, left at that very place, and I reflect on it and I say to myself, wow, what does this say about, about our culture today? Our culture today. I'm very sure uh, that many of those who left those sacrifices there, of course, they were told to, to leave them there, maybe by some, uh, by some herbalists and some Jew men that they have consulted. And many of them, if not all, if you would ask them to fill a form, would fill in that form that they are Christians or Muslims. And we're asking ourselves, ourselves, well, who are these people? They live among us. And then you look into the faces of people around you and you, 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 may, be, you may be asking yourself, well, who is that person among us who still carries sacrifices and leaves plates of food as sacrifices to some gods on the side of the road 
And I look at the comments to this story, to this video. Many people confirming it. Somebody wrote on, on Instagram saying, I know this place too well. It's likely not healthy for residential, sadly, but nobody is taking action. And that person said, oh, I know this place so well. Actually mentioned the bus stop. I think I saw it earlier on. I can't see it again. Somebody actually said, oh, I know these people. I know the bus stop. I think it was, it's called church bus stop in Igondo. Somebody said, oh, I know this place so well. So, so many people confirming that indeed, Uh, that, that indeed uh, this place exists, and we, uh, we have to ask ourselves: how, how can it be that in a in a in a in a country in a city where we have so many churches and mosques, and where almost everyone you know is affiliated to one church or one mosque? How can it be uh, that we still have uh, things like this? We have an area like this where people place uh, carry sacrifices, uh, foods. Cooked and uncooked, uh, cooked and uncooked, and they place them uh, by the roadside. By the roadside, uh, and, and I recall this passage from Isaiah twenty nine thirteen. The Lord says, "These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far; they are far from me." And could that be the case uh, with us here in Nigeria as well? Uh, I was, we, I listened to a bishop who preached yesterday, and he made reference to a quote I had had before, and that quote actually was made by one of the English clergymen a long time ago, a long while ago, uh, about Nigeria, saying that indeed what the case is with Nigeria is that the faith, uh, the faith in Christ, is one kilometer long and wide, but just one inch deep. Is that the case? Is that the case? Is, is that true? It may be true when you look at things like this that there are still many among us who go after these other gods. Is it the case that the Christian faith in Nigeria is one kilometer wide but one inch deep? You only need to just to, to just tap your feet on the ground and then you just get to the root of it, having no root whatsoever. If there is anyone like that, let us remind such a one that these gods that you seek after, to whom you present this food. Psalm 135, they have mouths, but cannot speak, eyes, but cannot see, they have ears, but cannot hear, nor is there any breath in their mouth. What is more, Psalm 135, verse 18, those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. That should be our message, engaging with a video like this. Those who make these gods, Gods that have mouth but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see, ears but cannot hear, gods that have no breath in their mouth, those who make them will be like them, and those who trust in them will be like them as well. And I hope somebody out there is one. Look at Psalm 115. You are going to find the same thing there. And which is, I mean, and this is even more, more important. Psalm 116, rather. Psalm, one, Psalm 16. Their sorrows shall be multiplied. Who hasten? Who hasten after another God? Their sorrows shall be multiplied. And some people will ask, what sorrow will be multiplied to them? Sometimes they get their way. Sometimes they get answers to the prayers they table before this God. But you know, the, the most grievous sorrow of all for those who move away from the Lord is what? Is separation from God. And there is nothing that separates from fellowship with God as the worship of other gods. I, the Lord, am a jealous God. You shall have no other God before me. The, the Lord will forgive sins. But you see, the person who bows down to another God, who bows down to another God, will be taken up, will be caught up 
in the wrath of God. And oh, what a terrible sin. What a terrible sin. What a terrible sin indeed to fall into the hands of a hungry God. Of an angry God. I do pray that you will not be in the number of those who for any reason will bow down to any other God. Do not bow down to any other God. He's a jealous God and he will not take lightly to anyone bowing down to another God. Again, it tells us that as, he, as, as the Christian church in Nigeria, our work is cut out for us. We have our work cut out for us. Let us not suppose that, well, all is well. There are churches Everyone is attending a church. No. We find that the hearts of many are far from the Lord whom they claim to worship with their mouths and with their lips. Again, I hope you are not in that, in that number. And may you never be numbered among them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much for staying with us this morning on Gospel Best Radio for On the Lord's Side, Christian Perspectives on News and Current Events. By the grace of God, I hope to be with you again tomorrow at 8 a.m. Whatever you do, remain on the Lord's Side. You are listening to GospelBellsRadio.com, the Christian internet radio with a mission to engage the culture with the mind of Christ. Keep listening and invite others, too. God bless you. Engaging the culture with the mind of Christ. 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 Christ.